good morning. It's great to see you today. Just appreciate uh, worship and the chance for even myself to just set my heart and my mind right for the week mm-hmm. and uh, put myself always in a place where I'm remembering who he is and what he's done, right? So today we have a really cool opportunity to, uh, to hear about ministry that I'm pretty sure maybe a lot of us are not even uh, knowledgeable about. Don't even know what's going on, and it's not in our backyard, but it's not too far from us. And I just want to preference this whole thing today and uh, just remind you, as a church, um, I, am, I am just thrilled about the way we have strengthened our missional impulse in so many ways. One of those things is through being a, I'm going to call this, I uh, steal this from, I think, I don't Bob Goff or something, global church. We support global ministry, right? As the Church of the Nazarene, every dollar that's given, guess what? Uh, about six cents of that dollar is going straight on to support over 700 uh, full-time missionaries around the world. And so we are very involved in, in global missions, right? That's a part of who we are. It's our DNA. This church has always been a 10% church. So we do more than six cents on the dollar going to missions. We, 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 we are always 10% at least, if not more. But we also, and, and you guys have been a part of this, you realize this, we realize that we are called to Jerusalem, which is our local town. Right? Be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. So Jerusalem's us, and so we're pouring into ministry here. Uh, the uttermost parts of the world are the global aspect, but there's that Judea, right? Uh, I think I look at that as, as, as still our country, but the fact that um, there's so many things going on around our country that need our support and ministry. And so today... Uh, through the work of the Missions Council and through a, a relationship I have with Dwayne, uh, we want to just share a ministry that we are, uh, are partnering with as a church and giving you an opportunity to uh, partner with them, maybe individually. Definitely an opportunity to go serve uh, in this context, and that's next year, next year's missions trip. And um, is the Missions Council here? If you're on the Missions Council, would you stand, please? Eileen, Penny, Dan, Linda, Blake Gerritsen, uh, Beth Downing. These guys have been so proactive, and they have ramped up missions. Can we just recognize them for their work? And their, it really is cool. And so together we have, we've thought about this, and we, this is what we want to do. We want to present to the church an opportunity to partner. The church is uh, moving toward a partnership with this ministry, we want to give you a chance individually and to even go on a trip. And so Dwayne Mills is going to come and, and share with us uh, just kind of the whole odyssey of his journey, I think. And um, I tell you what, a lot of us hear about people being called to be missionaries to a different country. Just the way Dwayne's life has taken shape, and it's incredible. Um, God's called him to be a missionary in eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky, right? Right in 
our neighboring state. It's unbelievable. I, I was talking to him last night at dinner, and he said, Chip, all the people that are coming through and, and serving with us and helping us, he said, I have these, these people that have been missionaries around the world, spent their life in third world countries. And they come to eastern Kentucky and serve in our ministry, and they look at him, and you know what they say? This reminds me of where I served in a third world country. It is amazing, the poverty, the need, right on our back porch, almost. And so, Dwayne's father holds a very special place in my heart. Um, Dwayne's father is, is the reason I am a Nazarene, and uh, just one of the most godly men I've ever met, mm. a great man. And so, Dwayne and I have had a relationship through the years. Uh, we started chatting about this. I know he presented at NYC to 8,000 teens just a few weeks ago. And so would you guys welcome Dwayne to the stage as he shares this ministry with us. Good morning, y'all. Well, I trust that uh, you're doing well today, and I'm going to try to work this thing here, and we're going to see how it goes. Uh, we don't have these where I'm from, so we'll figure it out, though. But it is, it is a joy to be here. Really, Ohio's a second home to me. Uh, my, mother, my mother was born and raised in Bucyrus, Ohio, and my wife, who I met at Mount Vernon Nazarene College at the time, it's now a university, uh, is from Circleville, Ohio. And so I have some roots uh, in Ohio, but I was born and raised in eastern Kentucky, and, uh, but I want you to know what a privilege it is to be here with you uh, at NAPNAS. I guess that's, that's uh, okay. I just want to make sure I'm right on that. Um, but it is an honor for me to be here and share what God is doing in the heart of Appalachia. And it is a real joy. Now, he's going to be embarrassed by this, but I hardly ever have any of my family traveling with me because we have four kids. Our oldest just graduated high school. Our youngest is in third grade. But it's good to have Eli, who's our third son, with me. He's traveling, and the only reason he's traveling with me is because I told him we'd stop and watch the Cincinnati Reds tomorrow night on our way back home. So... So we, if you're an Indians fan, sorry, I'm a Reds, Reds fan. Uh, hopefully you won't hold that against me. But it's great to have Eli here with me this morning. And uh, what a joy to worship with you today and to hear Pastor Chip's prayer about the God that lives inside of us is, is incredible and doing an incredible work, can do an incredible work in our hearts and life. As I was listening to his prayer and his heart for your faith community uh, I'm just so encouraged about what God is doing here locally as well through your church. And we shared and talked a little bit about that last evening uh, as well. But I want to just share with you a little bit about what God is doing uh, in eastern Kentucky and the call that he placed on my heart. And, and I want to read to you a passage of scripture. I'm going to focus real quick on just the last verse of this passage. But if you have your Bibles and want to turn to Psalm 138 or your phones or whatever you have there, uh, reading device, whatever it is, uh, but I want to share this passage of scripture because it has been extremely meaningful and it's a passage that I've had to go back to the last seven years as I've been serving in eastern Kentucky. And my prayer today is that it will speak to you, uh, that you'll know no matter what background you're from, no matter where you're at, where you're, you're being placed in life right now, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Do you believe that this morning? That God has a plan and a purpose for you where you are right now, no matter what you're walking through in life, God has a purpose and a plan for you. 
And this passage of scripture the Lord gave to me about eight years ago this September, and I'm going to share a little bit of that story in just a second. But I want to read this because God's word is living and active. I tell people wherever I travel and share and get the opportunity to preach that this is not a book. You know, there's other things that are booked, you know, the books that we read. This is God's living word. It speaks to us. He reveals himself to us through this, through this word, through this holy word, this living document. And so I want to read to you Psalm 138, very familiar passage of scripture. It says this, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Key word there, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. Aren't you glad for that this morning? That God hears our prayers. We talked about this being a house of prayer. He heard our prayers. Every one of our prayers that we prayed right in just a few minutes ago, in this place, he heard those prayers. Aren't you glad he doesn't turn a deaf ear to us when we pray, but he hears us? That's a promise that he has given to us in his word. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when you hear the words of your mouth, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. That's a promise today. So if you're walking through a difficult time today, Know this, that the God in heaven who created you, right now, this very moment, he knows everything in your life. And he's interested in your life. He preserves your life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. And here's the verse that I want to focus on this morning. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. God, we thank you today for your word and what it means to us. Uh, scripture says it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, this passage of scripture out of Psalm 138 on this first Sunday of August reminds us that you are interested in our lives, that you have a plan for us, that you have called us. And Lord, I, my prayer right now is that every heart in this place would be obedient to you today. That as you speak to them, and maybe for some, Lord, this morning, you've been speaking to them for a number of weeks about something very specific in their heart and their life, and they've been resistant to that. I pray right now, Lord, that they would just be completely open to you as you speak to them. For you, Lord, have a purpose for us. And we know that your steadfast love endures forever and ever and ever. And we thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was Tuesday, September the 6th of 2011, and my wife and I were serving at Olivet Nazarene University. I was actually the dean of students there at Olivet, and my wife was the director of counseling and health services. We had just built, built the new Centennial Chapel there on campus, and it was uh, one of our first chapels of the school year. And I was seated in the nosebleed section in the chapel with our staff. I oversaw Res Life and Judicial Affairs there on campus. And uh, we had a speaker that morning by the name of uh, Dr. Tony Campolo, who was speaking in our chapel. 
And uh, if you don't know anything about Dr. Tony Campoli, Campolo, he's an Italian guy. He's very animated um, and just a very powerful, inspiring speaker. Uh, he has been a professor at Eastern University in the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for many, many years at that time. And he was sharing a story about one of his students who had graduated with an education degree and had received a, or had been accepted as in a teaching position in a very highly competitive school in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And she had come back, and of course he's explaining this and sharing this story, and, and uh, she had come back to share with Dr. Campola what had happened in her life. And she was excited about the fact that there was many applicants and she was one of three, for three positions that was selected to teach. And as she was sharing, she picked up on the fact that Dr. Campolo was not excited with her. And so in mid-sentence, she stopped and she said, Dr. Campolo, why aren't you happy for me? And remember, he's sharing this in the chapel that morning. And he said, I looked back at her and said, my heart breaks because I know there's over 100 open positions in the inner city of Philadelphia. And the fact that you would not take Jesus to these people concerns me. And he said in that moment, as I was seated in the nosebleed section, he made this comment. He said, why would you be in a place where God could use anyone? Why wouldn't you go to a place where he could only use you? And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke two words into my heart. And those two words were Martin County, and that's all I heard. That was the beginning of the school year, and to be honest with you, when I heard those two words, my, my heart kind of sank, because this is the place where I was born and raised, and my father was one of 11 children that was born there in, in Martin County, Kentucky. As you can see, it's right on the state line of Kentucky and West Virginia. And so I actually wrestled with the call that whole day that what God was speaking into my spirit went about my day. Didn't say anything to my wife, Bethany, at that time. We had just had our fourth child a few months earlier in June. Emily was her name. We loved what we were doing at Olivet. We believed that God was using us in a very uh, powerful way, and we were thankful for that. Didn't say anything to her on Tuesday, and then September the 7th happened, and that was a Wednesday. And so we went to church, and we were part of our youth and children's ministry there at College Church uh, of the Nazarene and and so we got home and we uh, we lived for eight o'clock in those days do you know why parents anybody want to guess you had to put the kids to bed that's exactly right and so we had put the kids to bed and I had gone downstairs it was September so it was probably baseball season and I probably went downstairs and turned the Cincinnati Reds off and my wife was seated in in that living room and she said uh, so what's up I said, well, we need to talk. She looked back at me and she said, it wouldn't happen to be about something that happened yesterday, would it? And I said, actually, yeah, it really is. Uh, she said, it wouldn't happen to be something that Dr. Campolo said in his message. I said, yeah, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. She said, it wouldn't happen to be this, and then she repeated verbatim the words that I just shared with you. I said, yeah, but it goes deeper than that. And she said, I, I know exactly what's happening, Dwayne. She said, God's calling you to Turkey Creek, which is a little community in Martin County. And in that moment, we began to just bawl. Because it meant something that was going to change the course, the direction of our life forever. 
Long story short, we wrestled with that. We didn't share anything with uh, my father. I've got two brother-in-laws that are pastors and a brother that's pastor in the Nazarene church. I didn't share with any of my family for about a month, month and a half. I can remember being seated at the kitchen table as we were trying to figure out the pros and cons of why would we leave and why would we go and why would we stay and all of those kinds of things. And I can remember being seated at that table and writing on a legal pad. And I can remember the Holy Spirit in that moment as I was writing with a pencil. And I could hear him say, lay down your pencil. You'll never be able to figure me out at the end of a pencil. And I laid it down and thought, oh, Lord. And so uh, when you think of Martin County, what I was wrestling with, and I knew this a little bit about Martin County, Martin County was the place in 1964 that President Johnson stood on the front porch of the Tom Fletcher home and declared the war on poverty. It was in Martin County, Kentucky, one of the poorest counties in the country in 1964. But it also had great significance to me because that's where I was born and raised. Dad had pastored there for a little while. It was there in 1950 that both of my great-grandmothers and my grandfather took an all-day trip at that time. It's an hour trip now to Ashland, Kentucky. There was a little Methodist church that sat on Turkey Creek that was on the circuit. A circuit rider would come through once a month. They would have church, and then they, the church would not uh, meet again for a month. And, and both my great-grandmothers and my grandfather in 1950 felt like there needed to be a holiness, a holiness presence in that community every day of the week. And so they went and purchased this Methodist church in 1950 for $175 and came back, and over the last 69 years, there's been over 30 men and women called into ministry out of that church. Very powerful heritage that we have and and actually there's a a picture that was taken uh i actually moved at the at the end of that academic year in in uh, 2012 2011 2012 we moved to martin county because we knew god was calling us there the church board had called and said hey we would love for, for you to come and pastor and so we went to pastor and i told them when we went there that if you're calling me to pastor the people that are within the walls of the church are calling the wrong person because god has called us to minister to all people in martin county and so, uh, but one of the highlights for me was a picture that I took in the fall of 2012. Uh, I got to be my granny's pastor for nine months before she passed away. She's the lady that's sitting there in the middle, uh, surrounded by ten of her children. Um, and uh, two days before her 98th birthday, she passed away. But my father was raised by strong Christian parents. My grandfather boarded in the w- away in the minds of the minefields of West Virginia. He would board away during the week. He had a fifth grade education, learned to read by reading the Bible. He would come home on the weekends to help pastor the church. He would take groceries up and down the hollers. Anybody know what a holler is? It's a little different around here. Most of you probably know what that is. If you don't, it's, it's a valley between two mountains. There's one way in and one way, one way out, and that's the same way you go in. There's a mouth of the holler where you enter. There's a head of the holler where it ends. And people live there. That's where they live. And he would take groceries up and down those hollers before the welfare system. It was when the church was really alive and being what the church should be in community. And so uh, I had that heritage. I had that history. My grandmother had an eighth grade education, never had a driver's license, but she raised 11 wonderful children. And so I have a rich heritage, and I'm thankful for that. But, but when God called us there, we knew that it was going to be difficult. We knew God was calling us to a place that a lot of people had left, a lot of people who have given up on, and it was still one of the poorest counties in the country. 
And so we moved there, and just to give you a little bit of statistics about, about that place uh, in just a second, here's, the, here's actually the, the picture of President Johnson on the front porch of the Tom Fletcher home in 1964. This is about a mile down from where our campus is now at Appalachia Reach Out. This was in 1964. It was on the front cover of Time and Life magazine and all of that in 1964. And on the 50th anniversary of this happening, we showed up. There it is again. 50 years after President Johnson stood on that porch, in that first picture, you saw a little kid leaning up against the post. That same kid is the guy that I have my hand on reaching out there praying for, Calvin Fletcher. This was also when we had the first and only presiding GS in the Church of the Nazarene step foot on our soil. He's there, Dr. J.K. Work with Jay Hyde and a few of our, our district superintendent, a few other members from our church, where we gathered on that place to have prayer for him on the 50th anniversary of that time God had called us there to serve we had been there for a couple years by that time and God was still working and doing some things but it was important for us to understand what this looked like in 1960 295 of the poorest counties in the country were in Appalachia you can see that picture in night in 2010 there was the difference but there's one difference that has not changed and that is eastern Kentucky still to this day 16 of the top 100 poorest counties in all of the United States of America are in eastern Kentucky. And so we live among a broken people. A people for generations now have lived in poverty and, and God has called us to, to be his hands, his feet, his heart, and his mission. And so that's what we try to do each and every day that we live among our people, my people, who God has called us to. There was an article that I just read. I actually was speaking at the Southwest Indiana District NMI convention, mission convention, just a couple of weeks ago. And as I was getting ready to go speak, there was an article that had just come out about eastern Kentucky. And it was talked, it talked about deep down Appalachia is a solution to be discovered, not a problem to be solved. But in 2020, 80 of the most depressed or distressed counties in Appalachia, there's 13 states that are in Appalachia, of the top 80, 39 are in eastern Kentucky. 39 are in eastern Kentucky. But we believe there is hope, and his name is Jesus. We believe God has called us there to a very specific task, to a very specific work. And it's important for you to know, when we moved to, to Martin County, I pastored full-time at Turkey Creek. I went there to pastor. Uh, but I told them that we would be doing a lot of things differently uh, because that's what God had called us to. And actually, when I met with the church board, I wouldn't recommend you saying this to a church board if you're ever interviewing with them. Uh, but I told the church board, I said, actually, my heels are bleeding from where God drugged me here. I have no desire to be here. Maybe this is my Abraham moment. Maybe he's willing, seeing if I'm willing to give up my Isaac. And I said, because God is calling us to a people, not just to a church. And they gave us a unanimous call. And so we pastored for about six and a half years. The, the month after we moved, we had our first work and witness team. For two years, when we had work and witness teams in, we would house them in host homes in our church. One, one team that came in was College Church of the Nazarene from Bourbon, Illinois. We actually had 26 senior high girls in our home for a whole week. With our six. So that would make 32, if my math is serving me right this morning. So 32 in our home, but we believe God had called us to a work to do that. It was a couple years as we were there, we got connected with a ministry called Appalachia Reach Out. And uh, God began to start doing a work there. It was a ministry that was established in 1972 out of the Reformed Church out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. A lady by the name of Miss Jo Boomsma, who was an educator, felt called to go and, and tutor in the summers in the late 60s after she saw the story of 
of what President Johnson had been there and all of that. And then in 1972, she felt a call to go back and serve there full time. And she did that till the late 90s. But she started this ministry and it became a 501c3 in 1972 and they had been there. They actually approached me about five years ago. The executive director said, Dwayne, we, we heard about what you're doing. It's similar to some of the things that we're doing, but we have a facility where we can house your teams when they come in. And so we started partnering with Appalachia Reach Out and bringing in teams, and they would begin to stay there on the campus, and then we would have work out into the county, whatever that looked like. And then two years ago, talk about God working and God opening doors. Two years ago, their board of directors in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and their executive director approached me and said, we've been partnering for a few years now. We love what you're doing. We love what the Church of the Nazarene's doing. We love your heart for the people because you are one of them. We are not. We've been here serving, but you are one of them. And we've been praying about this, and our board of directors are older. Some of them are in their 70s and 80s, and we really don't have a transition plan. Would you be open if we just gifted you this ministry? And I said, uh, let me pray about that. Because it took us a lot of time to pray. It really did. Because we knew that if we committed to this, this is probably where we'd spend the rest of our life in ministry. So we prayed for two years. God, is this what you want for us? We even had opportunity to move. We had an open door possibly to move to Nashville, Tennessee last May, a year ago this past May. And we were searching after the, the heart of God during that time because we knew if we committed to this, this was it for us. Uh, it's important for you to understand that the majority of our people live in poverty in Martin County. It's not just like 15 or 20 percent. We're talking about a majority. And where a majority of people live in poverty, it impacts every facet of your community. Every facet of it. And we have four children of our own, and, and of course you want to be protective of that, yet our kids are still engaged in the local, local public school system. If you can imagine a place where you serve and you live and you breathe and you do life together, where a majority of the kids are trying just to get to school so they can not just not get an education, but get two meals a day. In the United States of America, the wealthiest country in all of the world, that you see kids who are fortunate if they have one biological mom, mom or dad in the home. They're fortunate. My kids are in the minority that both, both biological parents are still in the home in Martin County. And it breaks your heart every day. We minister to kids every day who I wished I could just take them home with me. And I've just been praying, God... Give us ways, open doors. And so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And after time of prayer and after walking through last summer, we felt like God had shut any door going away from Martin County and said, this is what we're calling you to do. So in the fall of last year, we met with the board of directors in Grand Rapids and we began to make the transition. And in January of this year, we stepped out of our role as pastor at Turkey Creek Church of the Nazarene to be executive director at Appalachia Reach Out. This is our campus. It's an older picture. Uh, but it gives you some idea. It was three and a half acres, all of the facilities there, and a little bit of cash assets that they gifted to us. If you'd have told me eight years ago when God laid it on my heart in September that this is what we would be doing, I would have said, how in the world is that going to happen? But let me tell you something. As that passage of Scripture said in Psalm 138, verse 8, that God has a purpose for your life. 
And I believe God is calling people in our communities, in our world, to very specific tasks. And a lot of times we began to, to, to uh, put the pencil to paper and say, this just doesn't measure up. There's some people here today that just need to lay down the pencil because you can't figure God out at the end of a pencil. And he's challenging you and he's stretching you. And I love the imagery that the Apostle Paul gives when he says we are the clay and he is the potter, which is a great, great imagery because that means as the potter, his hands are always on us. He never takes his hands off of us as the clay. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? I'm learning that right now, even as I speak to you, that there's times that he puts pressure as he's making me, sculpting me to who he would have me to be. And the same thing is true for you. And so we stepped into this role of at Appalachia Reach Out, focusing in three areas, and real briefly, I want to share those with you. One is education. We have total access to every public school in Martin County. There's one school district. There's about 1,800 students in that school district. We have three elementary schools, a middle school, and a high school, and one Christian school. And God has opened the door. I have a relationship with every principal and every resource director in the school. In the state of Kentucky, you get $41 a day for every day a child is present in the classroom. Most states, it's a 10-day census in the fall that gives you your funding. But in Kentucky, you have to be present in the classroom. And so where there's pervasive poverty, guess what else you have issues with? Absenteeism. And so I serve on committees, and, and two years ago, our middle school and high school alone lost over $400,000 in funding because of absenteeism. And so God has called us to go, inside, go in and alongside of those schools and help supplement in areas. So when work and witness teams come in, we work with the school system. We just finished three straight weeks with three different work and witness teams that came in, and we loved on every school in that community. And it was work that if we did not do that, and I don't say, hey, look at us, that's not what I'm saying. This is all for the glory and honor of Jesus. But if we don't do that work, then those things do not get done. And so we just finished that up on Thursday of this past week, loving on those schools. And so education, if we're going to break generational poverty, it begins with the children. And we have to go in and be the hands and the feet and the heart and the mission of Christ. Those of you who are educators know exactly what I'm talking about. You've worked with those children before. You understand what that looks like. They're so underserved and disadvantaged, and so God has called us in many other ways. The, the school board came to me last fall and said, hey, we don't have enough certified teachers in our school district because people will not come and serve in this area. Will you go and recruit teachers in your Christian higher education schools that you know of? Think about that. And so I've had the opportunity to be in five of our universities recruiting teachers that would come and serve, fill a missional call first to come and serve and teach in that area. We actually hired one from Mount Vernon Nazarene College, our university, just this past, a couple weeks ago. So God is opening doors in education. The other area, real quick, that God has been doing some work is in addiction recovery. That is a huge area for us. Uh, at one time, we were the highest per capita county in all of the country within the opioid crisis and so there's a ministry that began about 10 years ago called addiction recovery care it's faith-based and one of my friends who's the C ceo started that company i can't tell you all this story because of time this morning but god is opening the door there's now over 30 facilities in eastern kentucky with addiction recovery care and our facility just last month leased out 2,000 square feet of our facility become an outpatient treatment facility which gives us access to those families that are trying to get their life back together and so we're working in that area creating jobs as well five full-time people were hired and jobs are important where we live and so we believe god has called us not just to the spiritual need but the whole person every person 
and see where, where the welfare, where the government came in and stepped in. The church stepped out in 1964, and we've got to re-engage our communities. I don't believe it's an either-or. I believe it's a both-and in ministry. And God has called us to do that. And there's a lot more there that I could talk to you about. And then, of course, the third phase, which you guys are going to be a part of next April, April the 18th or the 24th, is work and witness. We already have 15 teams that are scheduled for next year, and they're calling me. People are still calling me. And you've got, a, you've got a week on that calendar to come and serve with us, link arms as we do ministry together in Appalachia. And this is just part of our ministry and what God is doing there. And, and uh, I just uh, there's a passage of Scripture that I'm not going to read all of it, uh, but I want to challenge you with this. It's, it's in 1 Samuel. And uh, you know the story, I'm sure, of, of uh, uh, Eli and, and Samuel there. And Samuel's hearing a voice, and he thinks it's the high priest Eli that's calling him. And, and Eli says, no, that's God's voice. And so eventually Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening, God. Speak for your servant is listening. What would happen in your community, in your world, in your family unit, unit if you would just say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening? What would happen in this church, in this faith community, if every person would mind the voice of God and the heart of God? And that's what God has called us to. Uh, I'm going to leave you with, with this prayer request. I just would covet your prayers for our family. Uh, as you can imagine, where God calls a very specific area, where you're basically pulling people out of life or death, where you're pulling them out of basically the depths of hell. There's people that we've had recommended, and if they didn't get into addiction recovery care facility, they would die the next day. When you're in that work, get ready for Satan to fight because he doesn't like it. And uh, there are things that have happened in the last seven years, and maybe one of these days I can be able to, I'll be able to share with you, but that have personally attacked us. I've been in fetal position before just crying out to God, God, are you sure this is where you would have us, and why has this happened? And, and walking through all of this, let me tell you something. There is a God, and he is active and moving in the world today, and he will be praised for what he is doing. He will be honored because he's calling, and you guys are doing that in your community, and I want to commend you for that. But be in prayer for our families. Uh, if there's anywhere that Satan will attack, he will attack our families. And this is my family here, my wife Bethany, who serves as a psychologist at a, uh, at a federal prison there in our county. A very dark place, but she feels like God has called her to be light there. And then our four children, Ethan, Evan, Eli, and Emily. And then our campus, uh, campus director and thrift store manager. We have a thrift store there and a food pantry and all of that on our campus. And Bill and Jana Zydema and their three children. If you would be praying for them, I would, I would greatly appreciate that. But as I close this morning, um, I just want to remind you of this passage of Scripture that I shared with you a few minutes ago. And there, there's so much to share. Um, I, was, uh, I mentioned that I was at a mission convention just a few weeks ago, and they gave me two spots to share, which was I, I was thankful for that. But my prayer, as I knew that I was going to have this opportunity to be here today, was simply this. That God use our story, a little bit of it, to impact someone in this place today. Um, I believe that there's relationships that God desires to restore. Uh, I know this about the God that I serve. That he restores, he redeems, and he transforms. And maybe he's calling you to restore a relationship. Maybe that is your purpose a relationship that has been broken. 
Pastor Chip was talking about someone who had called him and said, I need your prayer. I, I'm battling addiction and this, this situation in my life. Know this, that God has a purpose for your life. No matter what you're struggling with today, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I can't tell you of all the people that I know, and including my life, where he has used my brokenness for his good. It's in our weakness that he is made strong. And God is calling. And he might not be calling to relocate you physically from one state to another state or one country to another country, but maybe he's calling you saying, you are the one that I desire to use right now in this situation. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's in community. Maybe it's in the church. I don't know where it is, but I believe that God calls. And he's saying to you right now, as Dr. Tony Campolo shared almost eight years ago, why would you be in a place where God could use anyone? Why wouldn't you go to a place where he could only use you and you have been strategically placed in a very specific place to be his hands and his feet and his heart and his mission? I believe that with all of my heart. I believe in a room such as this with people that are here and you've been wonderful to speak to this morning that God is calling you. And my challenge to you this morning is do not push him away any longer. But say, God, I, I embrace what you have for my life. And maybe you're on a mountaintop and things are great. But would you be willing to say, God, I don't know what the future looks like, but I'm willing. When you speak, I'm willing to step into it. God, here I am. I give you all of my life. I ran from a call for a year and a half into full-time ministry because my dad was a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. Both of my great-grandmothers started the Nazarene Church. And so I ran for that for a year and a half, pushing on him. I know what that feels like. And it was a miserable year and a half for my life until I finally said, okay, God, I'll go and do and be whatever you'd have me to be. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And as she's playing something softly this morning, if God has been speaking to you, and you're saying, you know what, I need to just step out and say, God, I give this situation to you. I give my life to you. I give my service to you. I'm going to pray. We're not going to tarry long. I know we've got another service. So I want to be sensitive to that. But as I pray, if God has spoken to you, it's interesting as you look at Jesus' ministry, all those he called in Scripture, he called publicly. There's something powerful when you say, God, I'm willing to be used. Scripture says that we defeat the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so is that you today? God, we come to you this morning. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to share, to share our life and what you have been doing. And God, we give you all the honor and the glory and praise because it's, it's you. Lord, we just want to be obedient to you. Uh, for we found in the process of being called to a place that is very depressed and oppressed that Lord if I'm going to truly obey you completely obey you then I have to trust you because if I do not trust you there's no way that I can obey you completely and so Lord we know that trust precedes obedience and so maybe there's some trust issues here today God may they just turn it over to you the author and perfecter of our faith God I thank you for 
Napnaz, I thank you for the ministry of this church, and I thank you that they're engaged in community, and we can even see that in their announcements as they talk about being involved in community. God, continue to help them to be a light in this community. And then, Lord, even on a more personal basis, I pray right now, if there's people that you're calling, that they would respond, and they would be willing to serve you with all that they have, every aspect of their life, Lord. For, Lord, we want to emulate your words. For you said these words. You did not come to be served, but you came to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. Lord, that's what you call us to do when we take up our cross and follow you. So, Lord, may we be found faithful doing all that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Appreciate it, Dwayne, being with us this morning. Would you just let him know that? We're going to serve in Martin County next April. And Dwayne will be back at a a display. Missions Council member will be with him. He'll answer any question you have about what they do, all the opportunities. Some of you, a missions trip just looks daunting, correct? Like, I can't go to the Dominican Republic, Arizona, where we've been, talked about Haiti. Maybe for you, Eastern Kentucky, five-hour drive. It's very doable. And it gives us a chance as a church to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to our neighbor, to our Jerusalem, sharing, spreading the love of God, and also helping us What happens is it just opens our heart to understand need, to understand how to serve even back here in our local community. And so I challenge you, sign up for that trip. It's going to be a great time in April. I, again, we're partnering with them. This is something that I know the Missions Council is working through with even financially. But maybe today, God's just impressing your heart. You need to give to that ministry. We're going to give you an opportunity when you leave. There's baskets at the back. This isn't a pressure thing at all. If you want to give to the ministry, you're welcome to do that at the back when you leave in a financial way. God uses all of us in that way, right? We're very blessed. I challenge you, spend some time with Dwayne. Talk to him. Learn more about it. Consider this trip. And understand that this is a partnership that we want to start. What a great opportunity. And God, who is always faithful, just reminded. And I tell you what, I just, the Holy Spirit is here this morning, speaking into all of our hearts. I can, I I just sense him. And allow the words that have been spoken today to speak to you. What's your purpose? How does God want to use you? What is it that specifically only you could do? in your circle of influence, with the relationships you have and the environment you live in. He's got a purpose. He wants to use you. Thank you. Make sure you uh, hit up Dwayne as you leave. God bless you as you go this week. May the Lord be with you each and every morning.